Welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Podcast with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. This week, we're taking a look at stories that have piqued our interest in the news. And uh, I'm going to kick off with a story about a solicitor, which if you remember from podcast 53, we were talking about a law firm back there and their lack of care over the destruction of confidential client information and paperwork. That's right. And this time we're picking up on a law firm where one of their solicitors has been reprimanded and for, yeah, reprimanded by the solicitor's regulatory authority for their lack of care over electronic confidential client information. So the individual worked for a firm, Walsh Solicitors, and she worked between October 2016 and and April this year. And uh, she was on furlough during uh, obviously the latter part of that period just obviously due to COVID and the situation. And it came to light through a member of the public that a USB stick that she was responsible for was found last July, uh, so July 2020. Now, the member of the public reviewed the information. So, of course, you know, they have put the USB stick into their own device, which like that, if you find a USB stick that you don't know what's on it, our recommendation isn't put it into a computer and see what's on it, because there has been... You just don't know. You just don't know what's on it. It could be malware, particularly if it's in car parks. We always flag that that's an issue. You know, you get a company branded stick, great way to infect the network. So with that caveat, uh, said member of the public has put the, reviewed the contents of the USB stick and has been able to see them because the USB stick is unencrypted it didn't require any password to access any of the information and discovered that there were documents on there relating to clients they were able to identify the firm that was that the device belonged to and obviously where the paperwork was related to and returned the device to that firm who then consequently reviewed it and identified the solicitor responsible for that particular USB stick so they've been able to understand who was at fault from within the the organization now when you look at the 1400 odd documents that were on that USB stick it included information, confidential information about her clients, including information about children, including uh, information about criminal records. And that significant information, highly confidential and potentially could have been used if that had been found by somebody who wanted to, you know, for blackmail purposes, it could have been released to the press. You just don't know who's going to find that information if it's not properly protected. So obviously they have reported themselves to the Solicitor's Regulatory Authority, which is something that law firms have to do. Haven't seen any evidence about any reports to the Information Commissioner's Office. It might be something that they are also doing at the same time. But the SRA have then fined the individual an amount. Well, she's agreed to pay the costs of their investigation, which was about £300 and obviously agree to the rebuke being made public so that then others can can learn from it. They've taken into account that she's admitted the fact that she did wrong. However, could anticipate that the potential harm, it still could be seen as quite a light fine. But I think yeah, there's yeah. a few interesting points to note, one of which is that, you know, the individual themselves have been fined. It's not the firm, this is mm-hmm. the individual. And I think we often get that question, you know, that there's an assumption that it's going to be the organisation that will be fined. And I think this is also the case both for the ICO and any other regulatory authorities that might be involved in, in your organisation. That potentially, if your organisation has the right mechanisms in place as much as is possible to protect confidential data and you go outside of that or at risk yourself of being personally either fined or prosecuted if what you do is is deemed to be criminal and the consequences can be significant for you as an individual so you need to take that responsibility when you're working with personal data in the firm. 
Or any organisation. Yeah, yeah, any organisation. It's not just law firms. And obviously the nature of the data she's been working with has been more sensitive. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing I think to think is obviously part of that publication of the rebuke and, and the, the investigation, you know, does damage the, the reputation of the firm. You know, their clients are now, and her clients specifically, are going to be concerned about, well, was my data accessed? Yeah. You know, what's happened to it? Is, you know, is it secure? Because if she didn't realise it was lost, how long has it been out there? And that, that's quite worrying. Yeah, and I'd say, building on the point that you made about the individual can be liable, the individual data subjects that have been subject to this breach, in particular those that have had records about their mobile like crime or, you know, about children, for example, they could put an in- individual complaint into the firm seeking a compensation. There is that's covered under the, the law it's separate from the breach and I think it's about up to £3,000 and that's something that would go through small claims court I don't 1,400 documents I don't know how many clients that is but that adds up even if it was 10 for example that's potentially up to three grand of compensation without the actual additional legal costs to defend that position even if you accept that you are at fault so there are many ways in which like you said the law firm could come about this in a negative way that they will lose not just reputation financially and this solicitor has also then had her name published online to say this is what's happened so exactly and I think the other thing I would recommend that organizations check and it's something that I've been noticing when we've been working with clients and undertaking audits and the like we will always ask about USB devices Mm. what's in use and most recently I'm sort of getting responses that they're not in use we don't people don't really need to use them and certainly a a lot of the times they won't prescribe whether or not they're encrypted and there's no way that the firm the organizations can necessarily monitor whether or not they are in use so they haven't necessarily prevented it if they even if they don't want staff Mm. to use them they haven't put a mechanism in of blocking downloads from the USB Mm -hmm. drive or Um, even stopping USB connect so you can disable the USB ports on computers and a lot of firms organizations do do that because of that very risk they're not prepared to take and stuff so no it's an interesting absolutely point. and I think if there is a, a chance that your employees are going to use USB sticks it's well worth considering and looking into purchasing some mm-hmm. encrypted USB memory devices that you can allocate to them and make sure that they use those devices only so that if it's something that they need to do or feel that they need to do and you can't stop them from doing it at least have the information on a protected stick yeah. because then if it's encrypted people will not who don't have that password are not going to be able to actually access that information and yeah. that's much safer so as much as you may think that your staff are not using them it's worth asking the question, it's worth engaging with them. And it's worth also making sure that you have a register of what equipment's Mm. allocated to whom so that you can keep an eye on it and make sure that it is encrypted. And again, when if if a member of staff steps outside of those limitations that you put on them through policies or and the expectations and you're very clear about that with them, then again, if they go outside of those, you've got that recourse to say, well, actually, this is something that is that individual that's stepping outside of our policies rather than it coming down to the the responsibility of the organisation. So you can do as much as you can to protect that data, but ultimately there is only so much you can do so no and i would say just to add one final point that i know both me and you are doing now with clients is that what the policy says and what is actually reality is doing there's nothing wrong with doing a bit of a staff survey it can be genuinely anonymous to say 
just want to check how do you store your data you know and mm-hmm. through that you might be finding they're using usb sticks and i know that's quite a revelation when we sit in front of the it teams and say your policy tells us this you've told us that you don't allow it and yet when we've spoken to your staff significant number of them are storing data and i think that's a use it's worth asking the question so that you can then put measures in place to lock that down absolutely that was quite a good chunk of uh, a story to talk about uh, on a popular subject of usb i noticed something yesterday in fact in the news that if you've listened to our podcast before regina and i have mentioned that uk information commissioner elizabeth denham term comes to an end it should have come to an end earlier this year but she was given a six-month extension because it was proving a challenge to find a replacement for her by all the counts and this is just speculation this is yet to be absolutely confirmed the front runner appears to be the New Zealand based privacy commissioner John Edward now he has been very vocal about technology providers over in um, New Zealand and New Zealand has a very rigorous privacy stance but people feel that this might be the next big challenge for him to take on. We've got a big piece of European legislation which other countries are looking to adopt. We have greater opportunity to financially penalise those organisations that are negligent in their compliance with data protection. And at the moment in New Zealand, the current law allows him to be able to issue fines of up to 10,000 New Zealand dollars, I think. Can't quite know Mm -hmm. the New Zealand currency. I apologise to anyone that's on this that says that that's not correct. But from a UK perspective, you know, not that it happens immediately, just to make that point, but we do have the ability to find up to 17.5 million pounds or, you know, in Europe, it was 20 million euros. That's a massive step. And he has been interviewed. There's been lots of rigour. And his competition, by all accounts, is lead for privacy for the London Stock Exchange. So it gives you an indication of the calibre of individuals that will come in. So The reason I wanted to cover this today is to say that there's been lots of comments to say that in the UK, we have not issued as many fines as we expected to see. There hasn't been as much proactivity from a data protection perspective for privacy from electronic communications, nuisance calls, nuisance emails. They've been phenomenal at not so much on the GDPR. That may well change Mm -hmm. with a new commissioner coming in later in this year. There might be more they might want to stamp their foot with authority in terms of what they're doing. That's my speculation that has not been obviously stated, but anyone that's new to a job wants to put their own stance on it. So for anyone that might think, oh, it's the same old, same old, I'd say watch this space. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. And I think you're right about, you know, often organisational approaches will be driven by attitudes of the leadership. Mm -hmm. And so obviously at any point where the leaders changing there's the opportunity or potential that focus of the organization may shift so yeah. i think that's going to be really fascinating to watch and if people are giving insight that he's quite interested in expanding the sort of ability that he has to penalize organizations yeah. and that could be quite a, a shift for the, this country particularly Yeah, and he's certainly been very vocal about some of the big social media platforms and about their role in certain incidences that have taken place in New Zealand. So I I think that that's that's a known, if you go onto his Twitter feed, he doesn't hide from the fact that he is not a big fan of uh, social media platforms. So I think it'll be really interesting to see where in this country we 
haven't really tackled big technology firms mm. i would say to the what we was expecting them to do whereas if you look at our european counterparts they're being much more prolific with their investigations of those so i think it could be a really interesting start that we may sh- not shift but we may be more focused on that so one to one to watch and uh, just uh, on a final note talking of social media just to pick up on something that uh, happened this morning and um, i thought it'd be a useful thing to share with our listeners i through whatsapp group that i'm part of got one of those texts that comes through that warns you about a heard on the bbc or my uncle's friend said xyz i'm just forwarding it on just in case type messages and sorry it's referring to whatsapp and the martinelli group and whatsapp gold and these text messages do the rounds every so often i think this particular one has been going around for at least four years there's no identified issue linked to this there's no actual risk of your phone being bricked but it's just i I don't know what the purpose of these type of like please forward on to everybody you know in your contacts it's just messing up you know trying to mess up the bandwidth or the space but it doesn't really have anything other than being a, a bit annoying but what it does do and it can do is sort of obfuscate some of those like other kind of issues that might be genuine or people click on things because they think oh well this needs to be done what i just say is when you get that type of message come through whether it's got a link in it don't click the link if it's got a link in it if it's got no link in it and it talks about things like martinelli it's got something that is you know this you know you need to forward it on to everybody you know just do a quick Google search or look at, there's a really good website called snopes.com and that quick Google, quick search in there of key terms that are used will help you to identify whether this is a known scam, whether it's a known chain text that's going around at the moment and you can stop it. You can stop the, you know, it's like a virus, but in your phone. So like the more that you spread it on, you can be the, you can be the fire break if you don't forward it. So I'd just say stop and think, you know, tweet us if you get one and you want to direct message us on there or through our social media, just ask us if it's a genuine one, but find out before you forward it to everyone. Otherwise it just perpetuates and they do get massively frustrating for me and others, I'm sure. So just when you get something like that, have a quick Google, look at it, see whether it's genuine before you forward it on. Which Bravo. nicely brings us to the end of this week's podcast with a little mini rant from Regina. If you want to get involved, share your thoughts or stories you'd like us to discuss, or you've got questions about whether anything you've received is a scam, please do drop us an email at coffee at dbxuk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time for more insight into the world of data and data protection on the Data Rockstars Coffee Podcast. Thank you.